This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to I'm So Obsessed, where we talk with actors, artists, and creators about their work, career, and current obsession. I'm your host, Patrick Holland, and my guest is the Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, musician, and actor, Elijah Allen Blitz. He played Jeffrey on the show The Shield and now directs virtual reality experiences like Take Every Wave, Laird in VR, which was nominated for an Emmy, as well as VR experiences for Michael Pollan's book, How to Change Your Mind, and for the Ken Burns documentary, Defying the Nazis, The Sharps War. His latest project is the Disney Plus short film and augmented reality experience, Remembering, which stars Brie Larson. Let's take a listen to part of the trailer. Have you ever forgotten an idea? What happens to them? Where do they go? But this isn't your normal story. We are in the world of imagination. Sometimes grown-ups forget their imaginations. So you've done a lot of different things. You've worked on TV shows. You've made films. You're a writer and director. Um, kind of what is your background and how did you end up doing something like remembering with Disney? Mm, so, I mean, I've really been making movies since I was little. Like it, it, even I remember, you know, I, I used to just play imaginary world in my backyard yard and just like create these worlds and then as soon as I got my hands on a v old VHS recorder I started trying to like translate what I was imagining into making movies and I had two younger brothers and you know we would you know come up with stuff and just you know make whatever we could and I, I even remember being in you know fourth or fifth grade and the, the, them saying like okay well what part do you want to be in the school play and I said well actually I want to direct the play and you know <laughs> they, 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 I, which they actually, to their credit, the Santa Barbara Charter School actually let me do it. They they uh, they they had a director, but I was allowed to direct some of the scenes. So I was like, in "Do you remember what play play. that was? Do you remember what play? Uh, it was a comedy of errors. The Shakespeare <gasps> play, comedy Whoa, of errors. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's that's a big play. That's even scenes from that play. That's a big play to direct. <laughs> it, it was fun. Listen, I mean, it, it, for me, it's just like it's it's all storytelling, and you know, it, it it's it was one of those things where you know, for me. I'm, I'm very dyslexic. And so in, in my academic career, I actually only got one A ever in my entire academic career, which was not that long because I did drop out of high school. But uh, in that one A that I got was in a social studies class by a teacher named John Sigal Baitner. He gave me an A because he was the only teacher that let me make movies instead of write papers. Oh, so it, wow. it was it was an incredible thing and because I was able to show that I understood the material. It was just, I think, in a different way. And so I've all, I mean, when I say I've always been making movies, I really mean that. And it's, it's like, this is, this is my favorite thing. This is my art form. It is the most collaborative art form. And it is just something that I love to do. And it's almost like how my brain thinks. I feel like I almost dream in movies. Like there's objective <laughs> perspectives and there's shots and there's different things. And it's all this stuff going on. 
Well, and when you're talking about like putting those movies together, if you're shooting them on like, I'm guessing like, not to talk drop name, well, it's an old brand, but like Sony Handycam, are you like then transferring that and using VCRs to edit? I mean, how, what, talk to me a little bit what that process was like growing up. So growing up, it was, you know, on the old VHS, where you're literally recording right to the VHS tape. So it would be like, okay, if we have to do another take, all right, rewind, like pause right at that frame <laughs> and then action again. You know, it was literally editing in camera like that. <laughs> that is amazing. Through. Yeah, and then you it, could but, tell you could tell a scene was shot more than one time because of the oh, yes. Turner Grady. <laughs> it, like it glitches for a second, you know exactly what I'm talking about, Patrick. That's it. it, it but then I remember I got my first high eight camera when I was maybe like 13 or something, and that was a game changer. And also that was like when iMovie came out. So I remember like having the first generation of iMovie on like this like iMac that we got, and it was just the biggest deal in the world. It was like, oh my gosh, I can actually like put titles in there. And I remember doing like <laughs> rating my own movie. Like the first we made this like 30 minute horror movie, my brothers and I, and like all the babysitters, my grandma was in it, everybody that I could cast was in it. And we would I, I put in the beginning, I was like, yeah, like uh, uh, no speaking during the movie, and like this is rated PG 13, and like I added all the little titles. And stuff. Wait, what was it? What was the name of the movie? Do you remember the name of that, it? The name of that movie was called The Will, and it was Ooh. all it, it, it was it was all about. I mean, there was there were lots to it. It was, but it was all about this this old lady's will, played by my grandma, and, and all these people were on the will, and everybody on who were, was on her will was dying and getting killed, and it was like, who is it that is killing these people trying to get them? <laughs> Wait, and is your grandma is it's just all like told because is your grandma in the movie grandma dead because I would think the will would mean or is it something like oh she's gonna get dead no no because so so the story is she had to, she had to stay alive. Because like it was, it was only like the people on the list. I don't want to. I don't know if I want to spoil the movie, but like basically, it was somebody on the list that was lower down on the list that was you know trying to trying to get in there. But oh my gosh, we we used so much fake blood and so much red food coloring that like we stained so much of my mom's stuff. It was like I, I actually I gave my mom a producer credit on the movie because of how much fake blood she paid for. It. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And what's fun is like, uh, I, and to relate it a little bit to remembering is you see, you talk about imagination, you see that love of imagination as a, a, the, the central theme of that, not only as an audience member, as a character. Uh, so uh, growing up, you've always been making this stuff. How do you get into, uh, especially, I'm curious about AR and VR, and I know you've done VR experiences. Uh, this is an AR experience. How does that like kind of relate to the work you've done? And how is that different from like the TV and film stuff you've done? Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, they're all entirely different mediums and they're all storytelling. So like that, that when it, when it comes down to it, it's like, I even, you know, I, I make music, I, you know, I, I act in things as well, but it's all storytelling. And to me, like making movies is the culmination of all of these different art forms that I love just put together. And it's also the most collaborative art form because it takes all of these different people from all different walks of life and all different, you know, experiences to, you know, come together and make something. So I, with, for VR with me, it was really in the last eight years that I've been predominantly focused on, on VR stuff. And I had the opportunity to later that year uh, shoot a project with my friends in Haiti. We, we did like a 360 piece and that just snowballed. And, and I, I then all of a sudden it was like, oh, you do VR? And I got to work with Ken Burns to do a companion piece for his documentary about the Holocaust. Uh, then I started working with my friend Van Jones and we've created a series called The Messy Truth, which is designed to be a curriculum for empathy where we actually uh, ended up casting all, all Marvel actors um, that, that you know, just came on board and were like, you know, we're, we're in to help support this because they believed in what we were trying to do. And the goal of that project 
was to put the viewer in someone else's shoes. Because from the beginning, or from the resurgence of VR, everyone talked about it, the ultimate empathy machine. Now it's in every Oculus Quest, um, but you could look down, you could see your hands without having gloves on or without any holding controllers, and you could see your hands and you would have hands of a different race or a different gender, and you'd be completely embodied in someone else's shoes. And they're all based on true stories, and there were these three to five minute experiences and you know, we that's something that we're still working on. And that's you know, something I will never give up on because I feel like if we can actually create something that can live on as a curriculum for empathy, that's something that I care so deeply about. And the power of VR, where your mind is actually believing what you're seeing, not as something you've watched, but as something that you've actually experienced because of the power of this medium, what can we do with it? So that's really uh, one of the main projects that I've you know did in the VR space. I've also worked with uh, my, my dear friend, Laird Hamilton, we shot a 360 piece of him riding the longest wave in the world down in Peru. And through that, it was uh, probably three years ago, I got connected with the Disney Studio Lab through my VR work. And we had you know, stayed in contact. And I said, oh, you know, we, during the pandemic, we put together this little short film that we were thinking of shooting with our neighbor, who's this little six-year-old girl. And, you know, Brie and I had been working on it. And he was like, oh, well, we're interested. And I, I was like, okay. So we started talking. And it, it, the, the idea to create an AR experience where you hold up your phone or your tablet or one day your AR glasses, uh, you know, and it's something that comes off of your screen and into your living room is something that I've been wanting to do for five, over, over five years. And I was always told that it was impossible. And so it's really fitting that I get to work with the company where Walt Disney said, it's always kind of fun to do the impossible. And so to have this, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to have, to have this, this team of, of just incredible tech, technologists and innovative thinkers and just supporters of filmmakers in the studio lab at Disney to just jump in and say, you know, we don't know how this is going to be done, but we're going to figure this out together. And that's that's really where this this began. I've, I've dabbled in AR, but this is my first, you know, real piece of of AR that that I've gotten to be part of creating that is actually available to the world. I want to ask you specifically about uh it was the Ken Burns uh, virtual reality experience around the Holocaust. Yeah. Um and it was a uh compliment or it was with his what was the documentary defying the Nazis. Defying the Nazis. That's yeah. yeah. Um how did you I guess how did you even get involved with Ken Burns in that and then like how much did he know about VR enough to know that this would have an be very impactful as an experience? Yeah, so I actually got connected because uh, so the film is about this couple, this American couple that during World War II went over to Europe and tried to save as many people as possible. And I was close with and still am uh, Artemis Tchaikovsky, who actually co-directed the film with Ken. And I, that's where the initial conversation began around it. Like we could create this, you know, companion piece with with a you know a VR experience to to the film when it comes out on, on PBS. And it, you know that that was how I got connected was was through Artemis because he's used their their grandson the their uh, the Sharps is the name of their couple. It's called Defying the Nazis: The Sharps War, and it's an incredible documentary and absolutely worth seeing. Um, but for that the one of the most impactful things i'm not sure if you got to see this but what we had the opportunity to do because we recreated a moment in there where uh, uh the wife martha uh martha sharp was able to save 27 jewish children and got them on this boat to the us and so we put you in the perspective of standing on the boat and you would see the real survivors and the children that were on that boat that are now in their 80s and 90s in the sky and they'd be telling their stories about what it was like to be separated from their parents and be on that boat and you're looking at the water and then seeing the Statue of Liberty for the first time. And we got to show that experience to one of the women, her name was Amelie Diamant Holstrom, who was actually on that boat. 
So to be able to show a Holocaust survivor a recreation of her rescue in VR is something that I will never forget. And I'm so honored to even play as a part in that. And, and that that's actually, that that's online. There's a video of her, her watching it. And it's it's so powerful, not only her watching it, but then her son seeing it. Because her son is, you know, he's, he's on camera talking about this. And he said, his name's Eric. And he was like, he was in tears. And he was saying, I've heard this story my whole life. And now I actually get to see what it was like. So, yeah. I mean, even, I mean, clearly the Holocaust is such not only a historical event, it's such a tragedy. It obviously shaped uh, the the modern world we're in. But could you just imagine at a a more mundane level, getting to experience something that your mom or dad went through, um, let alone something that profound? I I just, it just blows my mind. It's, and I think that's kind of where, Going back to uh, especially VR, I think that's where VR is a bit more transformative uh, for really just taking you out of the real world and, and just smacking you down in the middle of a different reality. It's it's tremendous. So just going basic, not even AR VR kind of thing, but obviously when you're thinking up an idea, there's you have to think of the experience as the viewer of those experiences, which I know even if you're doing film or TV, you're kind of thinking that through a a bit, but there's also the expression of the artist. How do you balance that? Like, hey, if someone's looking down and they're seeing someone's different hands, like that's such an impactful thing versus like, oh, if they look down and the technology doesn't work out, they don't see that hand. How does Mm -hmm. that tell the story? How do you kind of bridge that or balance that as you're working on like these projects and experiences? Yeah, so so that with VR specifically, it's, it's it's actually very different in that aspect because you're you're not you can't think about crafting a beautiful frame because you have no idea where the audience is going to be looking at any given moment. So you have to more think about creating an experience, an entire world where no matter where they're looking, it's still progressing the plot and they're still getting the story that you're telling as you're in this experience. So that's been one of the biggest things, and actually. I feel like that's only benefited me when I get to come back to making traditional film, which is what I love, because then, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have to worry about 360 degrees. I just got to, like, make a beautiful rectangle. Oh, let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let alone the account of film. I've, I've also, like, heard stories of uh, people like, yeah, we all wear black and lay on the floor. So, like, if you look around, we're not in that shot. And, I mean, it's kind of insane, but you, you got to approach it that way. Uh, now, sw- swinging back to remembering a little bit, uh, yeah. there's uh, – I, I want to break this down a little bit. So, first of all, anyone who's listening – just go stop this podcast for 10 minutes, watch the film. It's very easy to participate in uh, at the AR experience. It's, I would say, delightful is the first thing that comes to mind. Also a little, in, I found it inspiring. And then come back and join us in this conversation. Um, but as far as remembering, so now you kind of have an interest in filming it. You, uh, This Brie Larson person, I hear she's a pretty good actor too. Uh, so it's nice to have her involved. Uh, so as you're like, hey, we got to, <laughs> I, I can understand why you might say that. Um, yeah. What was the first thing you did once he's like, okay, we're going to do this. Are you writing the script? Are you doing storyboards? How does that work out? I, I, you know, have, have been so interested in this for so long and just in my own creative process, exploring that. And that's where the script started. It was, was go diving into that. But then our, our neighbor, Dusty, this incredible six-year-old who I've actually known since he was, she was two. I remember Brie, it was during the pandemic, Brie came back because we had kind of, you know, potted up with them. She's our, our neighbor. And uh, Brie came back and was like, you should do a movie with Dusty. And I was like, of course, yes, I love this. Like, let's, let's figure this out. So I, I started working on the script 
And the the AR experience was always something that was there. Like I said, it's been something I'd wanted to do even before this this idea of the script had come to me. It wasn't something that's a gimmick. It wasn't something that's like a piece of ancillary content. It's something that actually was thought of from the beginning and to incorporate it with the entire piece where you can just watch the film. If you don't feel like downloading the app and going through the AR experience, you can just watch the film completely as it is standalone and it tells a beautiful story and you, you would not notice that there's any difference. But if you wanted to take it a step further, you have the option to actually bring this world of imagination into your living room. Uh, and, and so, uh, you know, writing the script, you know, I, that that part was on me, but really when we were talking about the world of imagination, that was a lot on Dusty. We had Dusty come over before we started filming and we said, what does the world of imagination look like? And she talked to us about, you know, unicorns made of moonlight and dol dolphin clouds and, you know, fairies that slide down uh, rainbows and waterfalls and all of these things. And it was like, okay, yeah, I mean, first of all, there was so much more that couldn't make it into the short film that she talked about, <laughs> but it was like, we, we, we were, because also then we shot on the volumetric stage. You, you, are you familiar with that technology? I, I am, but let's explain for people who yeah. might not be familiar what that is exactly. It's also really cool that you got to do that. <laughs> it's, it's very cool. To me, that is like the ideal. I mean, just as a director, and also I imagine for, for actors, it's just the best. So a volumetric stage is an enormous, I mean, all stages are different, but people most know about them from uh, The Mandalorian was really the kind of pioneers of this and what they've done with ILM. We shot ours at a studio called Nant Studios in, in El Segundo, and they're incredible. And uh, it's a huge, so like almost 360 degrees of these like 25 foot high LED panels that will, you can create a, an entire CG environment and then basically set dress the entire, you know, area in between. And you can then film within that. So everything that Dusty and Brie were looking at was real things. There wasn't like, Oh, hold, you know, it's a green screen and hold up a tennis ball and pretend that that's, you know, something over there. It was, it was all real. And like, when you see the shot where the ideas, you know, shooting across the sky and you see it reflected in Dusty's eyes, that was a real reflection off of the stage. Where I was, that's because like the reflections look so insane to me. I mean, yeah. just knowing how much that takes, that's crazy. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's the, that's like one of the many benefits of it is that like the reflections, it's just there. It's not something you had to add in post and also her reaction. When you see her react to that thing, that was just the first take of her watching that shooting star and being like, Whoa, you know, it's like that, <laughs> that was real. That was all genuine. And, and actually, well, one of the questions you asked about, you know, working, working with Dusty, I, I actually, I used to teach kindergarten and, and first grade. And I, so I, I, I mean, I always love working with kids. And so Dusty is, is not an actress, but she, you know, so we never, we never called action when she was on set. It was, I told her that the camera was her robot friend named Alexa. And you guys were in a staring, a staring competition to not look at each other's eyes. And we just, we were just rolling. We'd have conversations and we were trying, you know, get get her to say some of the, the things that were in the script and sometimes she said things that were not in the script that made it into the film that are incredible i used to teach like children's theater and teach you know, part of the thing we would do is like life skills through stage skills kind of stuff and yeah. these kids would have like much better resumes than any of the teachers by the way like oh i'm in a Volkswagen <laughs> commercial like well great you still have to listen to me um but it was uh it's so much fun and then going back to the writing a little bit and i i uh i i'm guessing this is a line you wrote one line that stuck out to me in remembering was the only thing that separates us is time and time isn't real. It's like, okay, I did not expect that line. I did not expect that line from a child. Uh, can you talk to me? I, I know within the context of what's going on and remembering, it makes complete sense, but where did that come from for you? Gosh, you know, yeah, that, that was, that was one of the lines in, in the original script. And, and it, it's something that 
do you know the Leonard Cohen song where he talks about like the crack, the crack and everything and the crack is where the light gets in. And it's like, to me, the idea that time isn't real time. Listen, time is a very valuable tool. We use time. We were able to set up this zoom, like to talk through time because we use it as a tool, but to not be limited by it, not let it control us and to let us control it and be like, use it as a tool, but also acknowledge that like, it is a man-made construct that I, there's something so freeing in that. And, it, and, and the, the goal with, you know, lines like that was to just give the audience a little crack of light and to say like, you know, you can question your environment, you know, just because you were told this is the way things are, you know, you were talking about reviewing the iPhone. It's that, you know, Steve Jobs thing where you talk about like reality is made up by people that were no smarter than you are, you know, and <laughs> remembering that, you know, and, and just, just like really like th there's almost an element with the AR experience that's in some ways like a Trojan horse for adults where they think they're going to see this cool piece of technology, but ideally if they really take it in, it's something that can bring them closer to their own imagination and their world of, of creativity and their inner child and what that actually is in their own experience, you know, and that if, if we're able to do that through this process and these, this technology, then we have succeeded in a, a major way that is above and beyond my, my wildest dreams. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I want to acknowledge, Elijah, that you're on a podcast called I'm So Obsessed. And I'd like to know, what's your current obsession? Oh, my gosh. I mean, th this last week has just been all about remembering. <laughs> and, like, I, I, I waited till till midnight on last Thursday when it actually launched on, on the, the platform. I waited to see it and, like, to see it pop up on the, like, home screen on the carousel page of, you know, Disney+. Plus. It was, like, it, it was a surreal experience because, you know, I've watched this probably literally a thousand times, you know, different cuts and going through every single thing we had to go through and to click play on it that night on Disney plus, I was able to see it objectively because I knew that what I was watching, everybody else that had Disney plus, it has access to it. And there's something so incredible about that. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's weird to say like, oh, I'm so obsessed with this thing I just made. But it's no, like, it's I mean, real. it makes it's sense. Like <laughs> it makes sense. You're in the middle of it. And also, I, I relate to that a little bit, especially you've put so much time in something to see that reaction. But also, I think there's like, it. there's a, a not a satisfaction, but it's got to be different because it's now it's literally in your living room or wherever your TV is and your coffee table's there. It's like, it's not in a studio. It's not in an ideal environment. It's just in the messy real world you have. It's got to be so yes. satisfying. Yes, it's, it's incredible. And, and that actually is is something that we have noticed that you do have to kind of like clear the space in front of your TV. You know, like you can't have a coffee table right there. I have noticed that that will throw off the device. So like as much as you can clear out a space in front of your TV, that will you know make the experience work. Um, but like, you know, in the future, as we progress and as these things become more and more ubiquitous, it's it's, you know, there, there's going to be flowers sprouting out, out of your coffee table. It's going to take your whole living room <laughs> into account and you'll have a different experience based on whatever your living room setup is. Well, it's funny, we we're talking about like Apple just a second ago. I think that there's like, uh, I want to say it's like here, even Amazon, you can now just like hold your phone up and tap and see, get a preview of that Ikea dresser. What's it going to look like? Does yes. it clash? You know, it's insane that we can do that. 
Okay, I feel silly asking you this question, but what was it like working with Brie? I know you guys uh, have a, a different relationship, like off camera, so to speak, but uh, what is that like? And what was that like for her working with Dusty? Oh, uh, so working with Brie is, is like, that's to both for both of us. I, I think I'm, I don't want to speak for her, but for me, that's ideal. I mean, first of all, she is the best. She is a, an absolute master of craft. I, she is a genius in my opinion. And I, I obviously am biased, but I also say that from like being around her and seeing her work. And, and it's not just her ability to understand the flow and set and how everything works, but also her taste. Her taste is just spectacular. And so to be so aligned with that and to be able to just be on set, you know, the first, that was the first thing. I think the first thing we shot was the Messy Truth, um, or her episode of Messy Truth, which we, you know, won an Emmy for. So it was like, okay, we got off on a good foot. Uh, you know, but, but I remember- An award-winning good foot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but I remember us coming back from set that first day and just like, we were both in the car and was like, wow, you didn't get on my nerves at all. And I was like, yeah, you know, like this is- incredible because we we have such a, a shorthand and such a rapport because we trust each other so implicitly that we're able to communicate in such a way where it just streamlines the process and and and, and i trust her and she trusts me and then also that she you know knows dusty and it was like so just that was that was like really both of us just sitting there and and just you know you because she's also incredible working with kids and so just the the patience and and just just sitting there and just you know talking it through and even you know to get dusty to say that line you know time isn't real uh you know it's it's like if you it's like basically i think every single take after she said it she would say oh don't worry about that because time isn't you know time isn't real and she would take a handful of grass from the ground she'd throw it up in the air she'd go grass party you know <laughs> <laughs> i mean grass parties are underrated i feel people I, people don't have under, underrated in, 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 a, in a seven to eight minute <laughs> short film it might not have made sense so I, I like we're already kind of like yeah, blowing people's minds with time isn't real. And then like, what does grass party have to do with this? So, yeah. well, and imagining you in that volume with, you know, like an Ari Alexa and all this stuff and, and it's like, oh yeah, time is real right now, you know? Well, I mean, but, but, that, but that was the thing. It was like, you know, we, we just, we allotted enough time because I it was, there was also so much trust that was given because I, I trusted Dusty and I knew what Dusty was capable of. And there was so much trust that I feel so grateful for from Disney and the Disney Studio Lab to trust me to say, don't worry, like this girl's gonna get this. Like they're like, well, you know, she and should we cast an actress? Like all these things. And it's like, no, just trust me. Like this girl, we, we, we will get it. Like it is there. It's all there. We didn't, we didn't have to do reshoots. You know, it was, it was, it was all, it was all there. And, and it was just taking the time and letting her be her and just, you know, telling the story because like the world of imagination is where she lives. You know, we, we've, we've gotten to show this. I mean, some of the best stuff is, is, you know, showing it to people, kids and adults. But like when we show the, the, the world of imagination to, to kids, I remember the first time we, we, we did, we, you know, we had a room full of kids and we we're like, so what do you guys think about the world of imagination? Is this look about right? And all the kids were like, yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's, that's about right. <laughs> so you've done a, a lot of different um, a lot of different mediums, a lot of different work. Uh, and one of the shows that you worked on a lot was The Shield. And clearly people have like are fanatical about that show and it's been off the air for a while, but when you think back to the show and working on it, what comes to mind for you? Oh gosh. I mean, that story is really incredible because I, so that was at the time I was, I was acting, I was 15 and it was the day I dropped out of high school and I withdrew myself from high school and I came back and I told my parents and they're like, what? And that <laughs> night, that night I got a call from my manager and said, you just booked this part on the shield. 
And my parents looked at me like, you lucky bleep, you know, <laughs> like it was just like, it couldn't believe it. And it, it, it bought me, it bought me a, a freedom to, to really get to explore my passion and what I wanted to do. Cause I knew that the way that the school system was set up at the time wasn't right for me. And it just did not work in the way that my brain worked. And I knew what I wanted to do. And so that, that, I mean, First of all, getting to work with Michael Chiklis and that whole incredible team. I mean, there was so much that I just was an honor to be a, a part of that incredible show because also that that show did change so much. And, 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 you know, in a similar way to The Sopranos and Breaking Bad, like they just redefined what that meant to have an antihero. And there's, you know, so much historical stuff around that show. But for me personally, it really gave me a, a, a freedom and it, it, bought, it bought me some time to really get to explore and do what I love more without the pressure of everybody being like, you're 15, you just dropped out of high school. Like, what's going on? You know? You're like, I have a handy cam and I'm going to make movies. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so when you think back at that time or you think uh, back uh, throughout your career, what's a piece of advice you were given that when you were younger made sense but still holds true today for you? Mm. You know, everything that I would say, there's, you know, different one-liners like, you know, if, uh, <laughs> it, but, but it, it all comes down to persistence. And, and like every everything, that's how this project got made. Like I said, the amount of times that I was told that this was impossible, this thing that is now on Disney Plus that you were able to get to talk about and you've got to experience and hopefully anybody with Disney Plus can, can experience, that was told to me that it was impossible many times. Even during the making of it, it was not possible. It was it, it, it's something that we just stayed persistent on and just kept going. And to me, I, 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 actually, I like to say I'm a dyslexic. So when I hear no, it means on. <laughs> yes, <laughs> love it. I love it. I'll take that. That's a great. Yeah, one. yeah. So, so it's really. I mean, it, out of all the different things and quotes and it, like advice that I've been given, which there is so much, I think that that is probably in some ways the most important. Is is just the the persistence, especially if you feel it so deeply in your heart, your heart, and you know whatever it is that you're going for, just keep keep going, keep keep going, and there is something to it, and you know. It, it, it impossible is is only impossible until it's not. <laughs> so we like to do a thing called pick one on our show. I give you a couple of choices. You select one. It doesn't mean the thing that you select is better than the other, and you're very encouraged to talk it all out. So can we play pick one, Elijah? Yes, please. All right. So pick one. The first one is uh, TV or film. Pick one. I mean. It, it depends on the TV. It depends on the film. Like, you know, come on, man. Like, you can't, the, the quality and caliber of television being made these days. It's like you, you like there, there. There's some films that you know need to be that are an hour and a half to two hour stories, and there are some things that are eight hours. They're nine hours. They're a hundred hours. It just it just depends on on the content, it, it, and it depends on the the caliber and quality of of the story that's being told. Do you think you we could ever get to a point where we're having like not an eight hour straight experience, but eight hours like like imagine that remembering was a like 20 minute 30 minute show that had 10 or 12 episodes and had that ar component do you ever think we'll get to that point oh yeah that that's one of the things we're we're talking about is is because there's so many unanswered questions in remembering it's like what is the idea that she forgot you know where what, what does, <laughs> does does everyone's world of imagination look the same you know what what is it for other creators like where what if an idea was forgotten and not remembered what happened so there's so we're you know we're talking about either whether it's a series or it's a feature, but there's so much more to be explored even in that specific space. Um, and then also as the technology becomes more available and hopefully one day you can tell me when that will be, we'll have these AR glasses. <laughs> I'm looking to you, Patrick. You no, but Elijah, it's funny because I'm thinking about um, uh, 
God, this is a long, long time ago. I worked at the Apple store as like a retail person. This is right after Steve Jobs passed away. And there was this mm. very kind of like a private company memorial service. And they had Johnny Ive speak about the thing that Steve Jobs was so good about was the idea and being able to protect an idea from like criticism. So you mm. pitch an idea out and it wouldn't be yes, no. I, you know, you hear all those things about Steve Jobs being a very impassioned uh, person of, of, for creativity. But when it came to the idea stage, he, he respected the idea. He respected the fact that you needed to protect ideas in order for them to develop or fail, right? And I think that's, I was thinking about that was why I watched Remembering as well. Um, wow. Okay, I'm so honored, Patrick, I'm honored, man, because that, <laughs> that, no, that, that is, he, I mean, not only is he a huge inspiration to me, but I feel like that, and even Dusty says it at the end, you know, it's, it's I, you know, ideas, it's just, they're, they're so fragile, and it's, it's not something that we can just, you know, take for granted, and, you know, even in the beginning, Bree's decision to pick up the phone or to continue with the ideas she just got, like, that is something that we all face in, you know, even micro moments every day, you know, of what, what are we prioritizing, so anyway, I, I really, I appreciate that you you got that from me. <laughs> I, I hate asking the second one because I feel like we've had such a great conversation about AR VR, but pick one, AR or VR. I mean, in what context, man? I mean, like, <laughs> like they're, they're like, what what use case? Like, it's it, you know, it's it's like, what is it? What is it going to be used for? You know, they're just they're entirely different mediums. I think it's, that's the I think that is the point, and I think it's funny because we do have people. Well, I've got I've reviewed a VR headset and. It's I said someone it's like kind of reviewing the Mona Lisa, but you can only show the picture frame, you know, where it's like mm. you can't see, you don't get to see the painting, but you're like, oh, it looks so cool. It's like and <laughs> it's that's the hardest part about selling, especially VR, whereas AR, since I know what the real world is like, I see that and being able to complement that with uh, like something that's uh, adding to that, that's augmenting that it's just tremendous. So I, yeah, yeah I, I agree. It's very different. I could tell you, I could tell you one thing about that because I, I do feel that an hour closer to a, a, a to closer than AR, closer than VR, AR will be our more immediate future. I do believe that that will be the next phase of how we interact with technology that we're going to go instead of like walking around with our heads down, twiddling our thumbs on the phone, it will be upright like Tony Stark and Iron Man or Minority Report interacting with digital space around us. I do feel like that is a more, that that's that's gonna be coming soon than the Oasis. I, I agree completely. Um, so this last one, uh, pick one, Brie Larson in Room, Brie Larson in Captain Marvel, or Brie Larson in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh gosh, man. Um... I mean, again, it's like it's like what, what are we comparing? Like, how do you how do you compare Room to Captain Marvel? I mean, the impact that I've seen uh, Captain Marvel and Bree's character and what she's done with that have on you know specifically little girls and it just just be, even just kids, like it just in in adults, it, the, the impact that that's had on the world is just spectacular, and it is so empowering and beautiful, and it's so important. And the work that she did in Room is phenomenal and it's it is amazing different. yeah it's a, just another it's another world but it's about i mean it's you know who, how many people have seen room compared to how many people have seen captain marvel <laughs> so it's just it's just how how you can't compare the two and there's only one that's on disney plus stop kidding, <laughs> <laughs> right. I'm totally kidding. Um, before we go though is there anything else you want to bring up that we didn't get to talk about or anything you want to mention oh man um you know, I, I really appreciate that you that you you got to see the short film and that you actually got to experience the AR ex experience and that you actually got it. You know, I really I really just have loved talking with you about this because it it is, it is something that means so much to me and exploring 
where ideas come from and what is that and what is the world of imagination and how can we all adults children all of us how can we connect deeper to that and how can we if we've forgotten it how can we connect back to it that's my focus with, with vr is how to do do stuff like that and how to actually connect people more yeah because it is so powerful Elijah, it has just been a delight talking to you. I hope we get to talk again sometime and yes. I wish you nothing but the best. And I hope so many people get to watch Remembering. It's such a great I, experience. Thank you so much for taking the time, Patrick. I really appreciate talking with you and I, I appreciate your enthusiasm. Remembering is now streaming on Disney+. And while it's great on its own, I definitely recommend downloading the app for the AR portion. I'm So Obsessed was created by our executive producer, Danielle Ramirez. Our editor and lead producer is Sophia Fox Sowell. And this episode was produced by Rebecca Fleener. Please take a moment and subscribe to I'm So Obsessed on your favorite podcast app. Follow the show on Twitter at I'm So Obsessed Pod. And until next time, take care.